airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and we've got an in-studio guest, mm-hmm. so to speak. You've got an in-studio guest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the uh, the wonders of technology, right? Right. Uh, we're talking about the AFA Christmas button, and there's an all-new design for 2020, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But Pastor Jerry Lawson, who pastors Enon Cumberland, Cumberland Presbyterian Church is going to join us to discuss the blessing of mm. the AFA button. Mm-hmm. Um, some incredible testimonies that have come out of uh, people wearing and sharing the AFA Christmas button. Yes. And we want to remind our listeners that now is the time to order. Uh, so many of our listeners order the Christmas button. Um, wonderful design this year. Jesus, our living hope, which I personally think is a timely message with everything that's going on this year. Oh, yeah. um, you know what I mean? There's so Definitely. much that you could look at and you could be dismayed over. But to be reminded um, that Jesus is our living hope. Yes. Right? Jesus is our living hope, I think, is the perfect message um, for this year's Christmas Mickey, button. Is, yeah. there, is there, I'm putting you on the spot, is there a particular button that you remember when it st- stands out to you? Oh, wow. You are putting me on the spot. Because there's been a lot. We, there I mean, there have seen, been. Oh, is my there goodness. One particular one? I mean, I the easy answer would be the one from this year. The, well, no, I actually, I was trying to think back to the first one. I, cause I remember the first year that we ever did the button. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to remember the design. Actually, that's where my mind went because I remember brother Don being pretty excited about these Christmas buttons yeah. and it was, it was such a big deal. It was the first year we ever did it. Oh boy. But I cannot remember that's the design. Right. You did you put me on think. the spot. I bet Pastor well, Lawson me... have some, I have one. I'm sure. <laughs> I think he has I'm... all of them. Does he really? Sure yeah. Did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, has, he has all of them. <laughs> Let's bring Pastor Lawson into the discussion. Do you do you remember the design on the very first button, Brother Lawson? I have passed out so many buttons I know over the years. <laughs> uh, to be able to date each Man. one of them, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't. No, that's okay. But I possess every one that was ever developed here. Yeah. Even Easter buttons, which many wow. people have forgotten about, or to uh-huh. go vote buttons. Wow. Wow, yeah. My goodness. Okay, so so <laughs> Pastor Lawson, um, tell us a little bit about why not just the buttons in general, but why particularly around uh, Christmas time you are so passionate about the AFA wear them and share them buttons. It's a special time of year. Mm-hmm. And after the year that we've had here, 2020, it just – it. It disappoints me when I hear so many people say, I'll be glad when this year is over with. Mm. Mm. When we have difficulty, especially in our country, 
for Christians, it becomes a wonderful time to be salt and light and mm-hmm. share oh, so the true. message of Christ. That's and right. I sometimes mm-hmm. wonder if God doesn't allow adversity to come our way so that we might have an opportunity to share who he is to those who are hurting. And mm-hmm. so for me, Christmas time, and, and people are so open and receptive to giving and not so much receiving, but uh, to share what Christ has, has blessed them with throughout the year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you're spot on with that. That is fantastic. No, he's spot on with that because there are more opportunities, you know, when in darkness, you know, to to shine the light, you know, uh, with all the things that are going on, all the things that's happening, you know, from the the coronavirus, politically, all the stuff that's happening. Mm -hmm. This is a prime time for the gospel Mm -hmm. to to shine if we would just share it. Well, I just, I think it's a great time to be alive. I think we have a little delay. Go ahead. I just we do think have it's a little a, bit of a delay. It can be a little. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Go ahead, Pastor Lawson. I just think it's a great time to to be alive, and uh, the Christmas buttons. I, I I think there are so many people that's probably having a what I call a gray day, and and they'll see that button, and mm. it just reminds them that you know Jesus is my hope. Yeah. He is my joy, and uh, I. When people just look at that button and and they focus on it for a moment, I just pull it off and hand it to them. Uh, Take this uh, with Mm. you and uh, share Mm -hmm. the love Mm -hmm. of Christ with someone else. You know, I don't I don't think that there may have been an easier time just looking back at, um, you know, past Christmases and past buttons. There may not have been an easier time than this particular Christmas to not only share the button, um, but to share the hope that the button proclaims, mm-hmm. because I think that there are so many people who have felt hopeless and maybe in some instances, Pastor Lawson, they have felt that they couldn't communicate that, you know, because Christians are not supposed to be discouraged. They're not supposed to, you know, have questions. But sometimes Christians are discouraged and they do have questions. And so this is not just an outreach for a non-believer, but even for Christians who have forgotten how to focus Um, They've forgotten how to look to the Lord Jesus Christ as their true and living hope. These buttons are an opportunity to remind other believers to do just that. Are they not? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, In in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us some attitudes that his children should have. Mm -hmm. And he immediately goes from the kind of attitude you need to possess, and he talks about, we are to be uh, light and salt here in this world. And so I just, I made this statement this morning when I talked to this wonderful staff here at AFA. Uh, God wants us to be distinct, Mm -hmm. not extinct. And uh, we Mm -hmm. are to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. And uh, we communicate in everything that we do and say something and we're supposed to be communicating Christ. Yeah. For me to live is Christ, Paul said. So give me a, a practical uh, testimony of you having the button and sharing, I mean, maybe someone seeing it and saying, like, what is that? Or, like, what's been your experience wearing these buttons? Well, the buttons become an opportunity for the ice to be broken with someone else so that you might enter into a, a, a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very careful how I go about presenting the gospel, and I don't ever want to say or do anything that's not grace and truth. Amen. 
I want to be able to draw people in, and I want them to kind of have a level of confidence that, uh, you know, I think I can talk to that guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, many times that button, uh, or as I had mentioned earlier, people will say, Jerry, how are you doing today? And, and my response is this, and the Lord gave it to me a long time ago. If I was doing any better, I'd have to be in heaven with Jesus right now. <laughs> yeah. and, and people will turn around and look and, and say, do you really mean that? Hmm. And when they ask that question, yeah. they've invited me to start a dialogue with them. Right. When people keep looking at that button, and you can tell some people are just having a hard time and a difficult mm-hmm. day, and they keep looking at that button, and I'll just I'll pop it off and I'll... I'll you want this button, don't you? And uh, yes, I do. Hmm. And and I had a, a, a person up in Branson, Missouri the other year said, uh, you know, I've been asking the Lord for a sign today, and that button is the sign that I needed. Wow. And uh, well, you're taking this sign with you, and this sign represents a feeling and a presence within my life and your life, too. Hmm. And. So the button is a way to break the ice and, yeah. and, and talk to other people. And uh, I have school teachers, people at nursing home, hospitals. Uh, when we get close to December, people already are asking, Brother Lawson, when are we going to have our Christmas buttons yeah. this year? They look forward to them every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the button that I wore in this morning was the last of 1,000 buttons that I had been given a few weeks back. Mm. And uh, so today I got me uh, another thousand buttons, and uh, before <laughs> Christmas gets here, I'll disperse that thousand buttons. Wow. Wow. Well, let me just let our listeners know how they can participate. If uh, you are excited about the new design for 2020, Jesus, our living hope, uh, then I want to encourage you. You can go to afastore.net. You can get a pack of 10. They are sold in packs of 10, and they're designed to wear and share. You can order um, in sets of 10. And of course, uh, the more you buy, the more you save. So if you're like Pastor Lawson and you want to get your entire congregation involved, um, maybe you buy some for your, your church, for your fellowship, that members of your congregation can also participate in handing out. You know, one of the things, well, let me say this, afastore.net, if you want to do that online. But if you want to call, you can also place your order that way. And the number, I'll give it to you twice and slow, is 877 877- Nine two seven four nine one seven. Again, the number is eight seven seven nine two seven four nine one seven. Or in packs of ten, you can order online at afastore.net. Uh, Pastor Lawson, one of the things that really um, kind of grabs my attention, what the point that you were just making, was how easy it is to use something that can be as simple as a button. Um, to start a conversation and encourage people or lead people to faith in the Lord. Um, You know, we often kind of decry how the Christmas season is so commercialized and we've lost the greatest joy that is knowing that God became man and dwelt among us. And, And this is a beautiful message that this button does not obscure, doesn't hide. And so it's amazing to think about being able to have this as a starting point, um, having the ice broken, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think in some ways we kind of feel like we don't know how to start conversations with people anymore. And part of that is because so many of our conversations currently happen online, actually <laughs> talking to people in person yeah. is difficult, yeah. but this really does break the ice, doesn't it? It does. And the Lord's spirit will identify with your spirit and the spirit of the Lord in another person, uh, 
those spirits are attracted to each other. Here it was three years ago. Uh, we had wristbands instead of Christmas mm-hmm. buttons. And uh, when you got a long sleeve shirt on or a coat or something, you, you don't see really the, see the yeah. Christmas band. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that do like those Christmas bands. Mm-hmm. But that year, Buddy and them had me to come up here. My mother was in the hospital uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I needed to get over there. But I'd made a commitment to come here, so I did. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I talked about the fact with Tim and them, I wish we'd go back to Buttons. Mm -hmm. So I left here, and I I drove to Little Rock, Arkansas to be with my mother. So the next day, my younger brother and I, we went out to eat. And uh, we went to this restaurant right there by St. Vincent Hospital in Little Rock. And we had a really nice meal. And we get ready to go, and this lady comes in, and she has one of the old... AFA buttons on. <laughs> and I told Dan, Danny and my wife, Deborah, I said, just a minute, I want to go talk to this lady. Mm. So I walked over and it was this lady and she was with a group of other women. And I said, pardon me for interrupting, but I want to ask you about that button you have on. She says, I love the Christmas buttons and we order them every year from American Family Association. And she said, here this past year we had wristbands and it kind of disappointed me that uh, we didn't have buttons on. But she said, yesterday I was listening to AFA and they had this brother Jerry Lawson on there. He was talking about Christmas (laughs) buttons. And she said, I'm excited and hopeful that next year we'll go back to buttons. And uh, I I smiled at her and I said, well, the Jerry Lawson that you heard on the radio is talking to you now. And it just totally (laughs) blew her away. And I said, I think Mr. Tim Wileman is going to let us have buttons next year. And sure enough, we did. And uh, but that's just another one of those memories that uh, are so precious to me. That's, That's awesome. funny. It's, it's it's like one of those I who speak to you am he. Like I'm the man that you're talking about. That's really, really cool. Let me just let our listeners know again that you can get your Christmas buttons by going to afastore.net, afastore.net, or you can call 877-927-4917. Again, 877-927-4917 or go to afastore.net. They are sold in packs of 10. And if you get two or more packs, of course, you are going to save as you increase the amount that you're buying. Uh, AFAstore.net, AFAstore.net, or you can call 877-927-4917. The AFA Christmas button this year, Jesus, our living hope, Merry Christmas. AFAstore.net, AFAstore.net. We'll grab the break and we'll come back and see if John Cooper stands us up again. So stay right there. (laughs)
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Mm-hmm. Sure to appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Sarah Reeves with details. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and I think <laughs> we have John Cooper on. No, I think we do. I think we do. Do we? Okay, because yeah, I, I want to save my, my super professional introduction, because if he's not there, I was going to, you know, I okay, Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum <laughs> rocker, John Cooper, uh, lead singer, bassist for Skillet, mm. right? Everybody knows Skillet. Um, also, Kenosha, Wisconsin resident, so we got to talk Man, a little bit about that originally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, born in Memphis. Uh, so, so we'll talk a little bit about that. John, how are you? Good. How's it going? Great intro. I'm here. I'm excited. <laughs> Look, John, let me just say something to you, brother. Okay. I don't know if they told you how many points Will and I have combined, but we've got a lot of intersectionality points. We Do, do, you, know, do you know who we are, John? Uh, I, I do know who you are, but I, but okay. I, I was unaware of the intersectionality point. Yeah, yeah, no, we got points. Let me just let me just tell you something, John. I, I mean, I know you understand critical race theory and intersectionality. I know we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, as a black woman, and Will is a black man, you know, you stood us up last week. You, you understand, and so you understand, John, that that you can't do that in culture today because John, that is racist. Okay. Uh oh! Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. So, I don't know. I don't know how you're gonna make up for that. Yeah, I don't know. I, let me tell you. I've been thinking about how you can make it up. You know, because of just being guilty. You know. You know. Everybody. You know. Um, especially you, John, being guilty. Maybe let me sing lead and then the next song that you do. Maybe. Oh well, if that'll do it, I I bet I can make that happen. I mean, and of course. With with, uh, with COVID, we may never sing again ever. So maybe <laughs> right <laughs> can't sing ever oh, again. Oh my Man. goodness! It's great to have you on, John, and thank you for being such a good sport. Look, if I had not checked out some of your podcast, I would not know that you um, have a great sense of humor. So I knew that I could joke with you a little bit like that. Um, we are discussing <laughs> the new book that you have out, "Awake and Alive to Truth: Finding Truth and the Chaos." of a relativistic world. And mm. boy, is that where we are. I mean, it's just everything is kind of topsy-turvy. What's up is down and what's down is up. And if you can race to the bottom, then you're really at the top. And um, you've been looking into this and uh, kind of found your voice in a different way. Um, we appreciate your music, but you are now making a splash in the podcast world and you're writing about these things. And all of that sort of culminates in this book that you have. Um, talk to us a little bit about that journey. Well, I think that you just you just laid it out good. I don't even know if I need to be on here. It sounds like you can just take <laughs> off. I love it. I mean, it take off and go off. Yeah, come I mean, on, John. You're right. We are uh, we we are in a in a really crazy time. As you said, Popsy Toby, that's a great way to say it. Chaotic, and I just feel you know I just feel bad for for young people hmm. being raised in, in this culture, even even the millennial generation. You know, I feel bad for millennial culture in general because they were raised and with this thing called the internet that, mm-hmm. that frankly, their parents just didn't understand. It's like giving a giving a uh, you know a weapon to a child or, or a, a power tool. You know, yeah. uh, I love um, woodworking and, and and I've got like big miter saws and circular saws and it's <laughs> like giving it to a kid and saying, okay, figure it out. And and it, it just caused such havoc. And so I started. Really looking into this, 
probably in 2012. 2012 is when I felt like I, I, I was not understanding the world around me. And, and mm-hmm. I've been a Christian since I was five. So, mm-hmm. you know, by that time I was, you know, I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I've been a Christian since I was a kid. I've been living for Jesus since I was, you know, five or six years old. And now all of a sudden, and I'm hearing things in the world, but not only in the world, even in the church, I was starting to hear things I've never heard before. Mm. I didn't understand yeah. the vocabulary. And I and, mm. and, and and when I asked questions, I never got to the bottom of anything. But part of the reason I wasn't getting to the bottom of it was I don't think people were being honest about what they were intending. And mm-hmm. I, I could tell they weren't being honest with me, but I couldn't get to the bottom of it. So it took me several years of reading a lot of material, asking a lot of questions, and I finally said, you know what? We live in a post-truth world. This yeah. world, this culture, this society, and not just America, globally, the, the global world does not believe in absolute truth. And, yep. and once that comes into the church, then, then you are going to have a bunch of people saying they believe in Christ, even though they don't believe in absolute truth. So I believe in Jesus, but not the Bible. Or I believe mm-hmm. in Jesus, but I know I'm a good person. And mm. there's saying so many things that are not actually orthodox, and and I just thought I want to write a book and see if if I could speak to to maybe people in that culture that don't necessarily want to read a theology book. Mm-hmm. Maybe they maybe they don't feel comfortable listening to a preacher. Maybe who knows? They'll listen to me, and and I can try to say it in a way they can understand. Yeah, no, and it's amazing, though, the the things that you're pointing out, I think that so many people have felt frustration, and I think we're excited when we hear that someone is able to conceptualize and to put in words uh, what it is we've been feeling, but we couldn't really articulate it. Um, when you talk about what has infiltrated the church, um, you know, I think what probably grabbed a lot of people's attention was the the open letter, I guess, if you will, that you wrote last fall. Um, when we had a series of Christians, um, quote unquote, leaving the faith or leaving the church mm. and doing so in, in a way that, you know, kind of made them the cool victor and the church sort of like the outdated, antiquated sort of asylum that they have escaped and they want to tell everyone that they've made it out alive. And um, you had just had it. What was it that kind of set you off? And even in your writing kind of set you, for lack of a better way to describe it, against people in your line of work, worship leaders, singers, and songwriters. Right. Yeah. Well, honestly, once again, you said that really great. It's exactly, <laughs> it did kind of make them seem like the virtuous ones in the situation. Yeah. As you're following, like apostate and, and pointing the fingers at God, saying that he's not real, and if he was real, he was mean, and everything else, but making themselves look virtuous and doing it. And it did... To be honest, it did make me mad. It made me sad, mad, confused, and and also I was like, wait a minute, this is this is public. You're publicly mm-hmm. dishonoring God, mm-hmm. and you know that deserves a public rebuttal. I think. I mean, it, you know, it it just really did anger me. Some of it was personal in the sense that it wasn't just a public people. Some of it was personal because. I mean, I'm just being totally honest with you, and I bet everybody listening will amen this when I say it. Probably most people listening will say, yeah, I've had people like that in my own life, and people yeah. that I went to church with, or people that came into the church the same time as I did, and they got born again 
and I was getting serious about my faith, and I thought, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I thought, okay, these people, I'm going to be fighting, you know, for the rest of my life, arm in arm with these people. We are going to make it all the way to the end, and we're going to enter into glory together, and we're in this for the long haul, running mm-hmm. the race side by side. I never dreamt that some of these people would be, would bow out. I just never dreamt that they would say, you know, I'm not into it anymore, or I'm apostate, or I don't really believe in the Bible anymore, or or how about this one? You know, for somebody that I know that, that loves God, I thought, married with four kids, and walks out on this, just leaves his family behind for another mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so much of it, and I'm like, this is 2015, and I was like, I have had enough of this. I never dreamt this would happen in the church. And so the reason I said something publicly was because what you have is a bunch of people coming out, as you said, making themselves look like the virtuous ones mm-hmm. and giving um, giving weight to, other, to, to, to younger people in the faith that are going, well, I kind of felt like maybe God wasn't real too, so maybe if they did it and they get the hand clap mm-hmm. and they get the virtue points and they look like the good person and the mm-hmm. woke person or the more intellectual person, Come on. well, maybe I should have that too. And I was like, you know what? It'd be, I mean, this isn't John's words. This is, this is the Bible's words. But mm-hmm. it'd be better for you to tie an anchor around your neck mm-hmm. and throw yourself in the sea than to lead these little ones astray. Mm. Who do you think you're messing with? Right. And it Come just on. irritated me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a righteous indignation. It is it is the right response to right. what we see happening, not just in culture. And I and I like it that we are turning the focus to the church because what we need is we need more vocal Christians who know the truth, mm-hmm. who have who have stayed true to orthodoxy to speak up and to not be silenced because they are going to be seen as the antiquated ones, or you know, the question will be asked of them. Uh, do you still believe that? How can you believe that in the time that we're living in? Well, because the truth of the word of God does not change. Right. And I think we need people like yourself mm. who will continue to declare that. Are you running into support? Are you running into people who have a major issue with what you're doing? I mean, this could affect your invitations to certain places. Um, you know, what are your mm. thoughts on that? Well, you're right um, on all of those things, and yes, it does. You know, I, I I was aware this might hurt my business, my brand. I mean, I hate to use I hate to use that word, but but let's face it: you're selling your business. Uh, art is business, and I have a job, and I have employees, and it's my brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. I know that it might hurt that, and I, I just got to a place where I was like, you know, this is too important. I just feel in my spirit. Uh, and look, maybe I'm wrong. This is just the this is the sense that I have when I pray about it. I feel a weight in my heart. Like mm-hmm. this is a more urgent time than it was a decade ago. It is yep. a more urgent yeah. time than it was twenty years yeah. ago. I mean, come on, John. They, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's not like it's not like sin wasn't a problem then, but there's something going on, right. and I think that the enemy has done a the enemy has done a heck of a job at confusing the church mm. with ideologies that sound kind of like Christianity, and they oh. seem kind of good. I, I think we're in that, um, you know, that scripture that says the, the devil presents himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we're in that time. I think we're in this, the, the devil says, okay, I'm going to create 
an ideology that is more Christian than Jesus Christ, <laughs> if you will. It's Come going on. to appear more Christian than Jesus Christ. Yep. So I just thought, you know what, it probably is going to hurt a little bit, but but this is actually more important. So I, that's why also I wrote the book, and I began speaking out about things more, because uh, I just think it's different. You know, I, I this is something I really believe. 30 years ago, if you were an atheist 30 years ago, mm-hmm. you still had more of a Christian worldview than most <laughs> Christians do in 2020. Come on. Because they oh, were, wow. Right? Because they were born into a society that just, um, that they just, you know, we believe basically in Judeo-Christian ethics and yep. Christian values. We had the Man. benefit uh, of a society that pretty much was founded upon God's design and, on, and mm-hmm. honoring a God of causality, even if they weren't Christian, it was the idea that there is a God and that judgment matters and this, that, and the other, truth matters. And now we, we don't have that anymore. And so these kids, I the hope breaks for these for young people because they're so stressed out because they have to find truth. They have to find what is true today, which is different than what was true yesterday, apparently. And they have to find out what can I say now, what can I not say, what makes me a bad person today. And, and, and here's the other one. Who do I need to cancel in order for me to appear to be a good person? And these kids are so anxious, and they are—they—they they have nothing to live for. They don't—they don't—they don't know they have inherent value because the worldview doesn't teach that. Mm, man, this—you look. There is much more that I want to say, but I'm looking at the time here, and we're running out of time in this segment. So I want to make sure that I ask some additional questions, but also let our listeners know where they can get the book if they go to johnlcooper.com, johnlcooper.com, then they can get the book. And the title of the book is Awake and Alive to Truth. And let's just be honest here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty direct, John. I mean, y- you have some major cool points here. So for parents who are going to want to get their kid a book, um, this is going to be one that I think is going to be received probably a little bit better than maybe some of the other um, <laughs> apologetics books and defense of the faith books. I mean, you know, it's it's skillet. So I think that's that's a really good thing. We need people like you to keep telling the truth um, because there's fear. People are afraid to be um, pegged as hateful, right? They're afraid to be told yeah. that they don't love people or, as I jokingly refer to you as racist, right? Like that's, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the R word. Like nobody wants to be told that. And so we can't stand up and declare these basic um, enduring truths of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, it's brilliant the way you put it, uh, that comparison of an atheist, you know, generations ago compared to a Christian today. And I think Ken Ham, who, you know, describes this change, compares it to Acts 2 versus Acts 17, where Mm. you've got one culture that understood who God was and what Peter was talking about. And then you've got this Acts 17 culture, Paul at the Areopagus, you know, where he's, you know, trying to communicate who God is. And his basic starting point is, okay, let me tell you who God is, not even assuming that they already know. And that's the time that we're living in. And this time demands truth. It demands boldness. And I'm grateful for your boldness. I'm grateful for what you're doing. 
Um, so many people love and respect you. They appreciate your music. And I think that this is just another step toward the church. God has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And we have the people that we need in the body of Christ to keep defending the truth and making sure that the gospel proliferates. And so thank you so much for what you're doing. I'm going to direct our listeners again, johnlcooper.com, johnlcooper.com. The book is Awake and Alive to Truth, Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. We'll take the break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio, where we have reconciled with John Cooper. Yeah, we're good now. We're good there, now. There was a little bit of bitterness. <laughs> we did think that, you know, it was because we're black, but it's not. Um, Stop turns it. out he just stands up people when he can't make it. So, <laughs> John, I'm just joking. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Good to with you guys. <laughs> All right, good. We're, we're glad that you're here. Your book is Awake and Alive to Truth. Finding Truth in the Chaos of a Relativistic World. And we're just kind of chatting around that book. I um, want to make sure that we let our listeners know where they can get it. JohnLCooper.com. JohnLCooper.com. Also got some neat gear on your website there, too. Some, some. I think I think you people in the business call it merch. Y'all got some neat yeah, merch. merch. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Swag. Anyway. <laughs> it's pretty exciting um, times for us to live in as Christians to be able to stand for the truth. And I'm glad that you're doing it. That's something that really kind of um, excites me because we need boldness. And and far too many Christians are afraid to declare the truth that has sustained the church, the truth that has sustained the church. Um, let me get your thoughts on this. You've seen uh, the documentary in his image. Have you not? Oh, yes. In fact, I watched it twice. Well, Yes, I'll watch it twice, and I'll I'll tell you more about it in a second. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can just go. As you can tell, John, we're not very formal here. So, I mean, if you wanted to just run with your thoughts, that's fine. But I know that a lot of what is presented in that documentary is in line with what the what you're, the points that you're making in your book. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, yes. I was going to say, in fact, I loved it. And uh, while we've been home, um, we saw a need in, in our church. And we didn't have a young adults group. And I was like, hey, we're here anyway. I think that me and Corey could do this. I think that we have time. So we began leaving our young adults group about two and a half months ago, three months ago. And wow. um, God's really been blessing it. And so I started with, uh, what I wanted to start with was this. Let's start with a basic worldview about, and, and kind of talk about the way that God is the center of everything, and he has designed his world to function in a in, in a way that pleases him. And when you get in line with God's design, then you're going to be blessed. And, and I talk about lots of things within that. Mm-hmm. And so I've been talking about God's design for manhood and womanhood. And then I watched the film that you that, that you're talking about in his image, and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to play this for my young adults. So <laughs> this past Sunday, two nights ago, we just watched it with all four of our young adults. And it, it completely blew their mind. Mm. And uh, we had people like amening and cheering. And I was like, wow, <laughs> people are really beginning to get it. They're beginning wow. to get that it is not. You know, I think it was my actually my friend James White in the film that said, 
we don't want the right to to tell God how things should be. It's just not your right to do that. I love the film, and really, you could really break the film up into three sections, honestly, like that. Mm -hmm. You could do a full sermon on each (laughs) one of these sections, and the first third just being a biblical orthodox view of manhood and womanhood and why it is pleasing to God that he created us differently. I just think it's beautiful. It's not hateful. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I think I I agree with you 110%. You know, American Family Studios, I I was telling some of the guys and gals over there that one of the things I appreciate about, well, there are many things I appreciate that they did in the documentary, but one of those things is that it was so loving and so packed full of truth that it is a demonstration that you can have both, that they are not mutually exclusive. I mean, there's no way to really challenge it because it's not hateful. It's not coming out and it's not, you know, wagging your finger. It is saying, here is biological truth, right? And here is also love and experience, and all of those mm-hmm. things can be a part of the conversation. So I'm I'm glad to hear that it's having an impact, like like you're describing. Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I do get this sense, and and uh, and you know, I don't know. We're at a weird time where there's so many different things happening, but I do get the sense that there, even if culture isn't changing in this way, there is a group of people rising kind of rising up that I believe are kind of desperate to be told the truth. And the reason I say I have that sense is I noticed that even in my own little sphere, my own little church that I'm a part of, that I love, I love my church, and my elders and my leaders are so godly and wonderful. But I even get a sense there where you 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 have the PC culture that is so ubiquitous um, in society, where you can't say anything that hurts your life's feelings. What I'm beginning to see, um, I have two kids. My my daughter's 18, my son is 15. With their friends, I'm starting to see a lot of their friends kind of like, somebody please tell me the truth. Hmm. Like, don't be on the book Mm -hmm. and don't leave the decision up to me. Tell me the truth. What do you think about A, B, or C? And I don't want to say, I don't want to be so optimistic that I'm like, there's a major tide turning and people want to hear the truth. But there is a group of people Hmm. becoming very loud saying, Everybody stop lying to us, stop, stop dancing on issues, and tell me the truth. And I think the most loving thing that, that pastors can do and church leaders can do, and we as Christians do, the most loving thing we can do is exactly what you said, is be gentle, be gracious, be loving, don't ever judge someone else because of whatever struggle they go through. That's, we all forget that none of us deserve the grace of God. Keep all of that in our minds. But at the same time, say it would be unloving for me not to be honest with you about the truth of God's Word and the truth of A, B, or C, whatever issue you're talking about. It's actually the loving way to be. And that's not just our opinion. We know that because we have a pretty good example of what a true loving man would be like at Jesus Christ on that's earth. Right. And Amen. he told people the truth. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, John, I'm wondering, you know, there may be a couple of our listeners who have questions for you. Maybe they're dealing with some of these issues that you discuss in the book, Awake and Alive to Truth, and they might want to bounce a couple questions. Are you open to us opening the phone lines for a couple questions? Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely open to that. Um, and, and I, of course, I love talking about the book. Most of what I've spent most of all my time on was, was <laughs> stuff that I talked about in the book, so... Those are the things I'm best at, but I will try to answer other things the best I can. 
Yeah, we're let's let's and I'll just I'll tell our listeners, let's stick as much to the topic as we can here. We are talking about uh, living in a relativistic world. We're talking about um, this post truth culture that is trying to even infiltrate the church. And our listeners are familiar with the kinds of things we discuss. So I think that uh, everybody will know what's up. Uh, the number is 888-589-8840. If you got a quick question for John Cooper, uh, you can call us at 888 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero, and just out of you know protection of our guests here, we reserve the right to say if the question is on or off topic, unless John jumps in and just starts answering. I mean, in that case, <laughs> in that case, you know, you're you're going to get what you're going to get. Um, while the calls are getting queued up, John, so you live in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Yeah. So you're it's there. That, it's a little um, crazy. <laughs> just a little oh, bit. Okay. So, so give give me give me sort of like a panoramic, you know, just tell me what's going on. How close are you to, you know, what was popping off just a couple months ago or a few months ago with the Jacob Blake shooting and all of that? Like, what was life like for you and your family? Well, here's the thing. Um, uh, you know, I, a few of my friends got angry with me when I said this on TV. I was trying to communicate, and, and I know everybody's got buzzwords, and I, I, honest to God, I want to be gracious, and I don't want to make anybody mad, so let me yeah. try to communicate the best I can. I said on the news, I was like, look, this is a great town. This is not like a deeply racist town, and some people got upset with me because I wasn't acknowledging you know, systemic racism and this and the other. I think that what I mean is this. I come from Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee is a racist town. Memphis, Tennessee is a place where there are a lot of places in that city that if you are black, you do not go to. And if mm. you are white, you do not go to. I had a job in college, and when I would go and I would, I would change out the, uh, I would get the coin out of vending machines, and I would restock them. And, and when, I, when I first got the job, I went to an area of town I had never been into, and one of the, the um, from across the street from a gas station that was, had like, like what I thought was plexiglass around it, but it was like bulletproof glass. He runs up to me and he says, what are you doing here, the black man? And I said, uh, I'm changing whatever. And he said, you need to, to get your money and go as quickly as possible. You don't, wow. you're going to get killed. And I mm-hmm. was like, what? what? What's going on? Well, you know, Memphis is a racist town, and I'm just saying it like it is. Churches when I grew up, white churches, we didn't talk about racism, and, and I think that's a deeply an issue that we should have been talking about. Memphis, of course, is what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was killed, mm-hmm. and it's a really rough place. Well, I came to mm-hmm. Kenosha, it's just not really like that, and it's mm-hmm. a great little place, but it this, this this incident rocked our world, and, you know, three weeks, three blocks from my house is downtown. Uh, buildings got uh, torn, you know, torn to pieces, burned down, glass. Three people were shot, as, as people know. You know, Kyle Rittenhouse was a, a 17-year-old guy that came over and was trying to help protect a certain mm-hmm. business, and he had a gun, shot three people, killed mm-hmm. one of them. That's three, I can see it from my house. And it got to be a pretty scary time because all of a sudden we got all these uh, social media messages saying that, I mean, People flooded into Kenosha, and all of a sudden, it's not really, to be 100% honest with my opinion, it's not really any longer the good-hearted people that were protesting that wanted to see change. All of a sudden, you're getting people from everywhere just ready to blow stuff up, and, wow. and it got kind of scary there for a little while 
in the end, I believe we had 107 people arrested in Kenosha. And um, out of that 107 of them, 90 of them or something like that were not from Kenosha. And they were from like eight different states. So that's, wow. that's kind of what happens in these scenarios. Wow. Wow. And, you know, and here's the thing. So that here is this is your account from the town that you live in. Right. And and this is what you saw, what you experienced, what you know. And even the very last thing that you just said, there, talking about these people who are being arrested, these people who are coming in and destroying this town. They're from out of town. Mm -hmm. That has been politicized. Like if you Mm -hmm. say that, then, oh, you must be this type of voter to say that. And it's like, no, these are just the facts. And I think that this, again, kind of circles back to what we've been discussing, that people don't want truth. They always want, uh, quote unquote, versions of truth, right? Which, I mean, you know, I don't know that you can have versions of truth. You either have the truth or you have a lie, right? You have fact or you have fiction. And and I say that, but we don't really want that. And I'm just curious, though, because you mentioned, you know, when you said that uh, Kenosha is not a racist town. And, you know, just to say, I know racism. I know what that looks like. This is where I'm from. But to say it doesn't exist in Kenosha, what do you think is the point that tends to upset people so, so badly? Like, why is that? so upsetting? Well, I mean, I always acknowledge that racism is obviously real, and there's racism everywhere in every town and every city on the, on the planet because people are, are born wicked, and we need Christ. Right. And if, we, if we are not recreated by Christ, you're going to have all sorts of nasty sin in you. And even if, when you are recreated in Christ, we're all amazed at how much sin that's in there that we didn't know was in there. And, and, mm-hmm. and that is obviously something that we have to, to deal with. But when we talk about, I think when people get very upset is because of the way the, work, the definition of racism has changed. And it, mm-hmm. it is no longer that, that thing that says, um, you know, when one group of people is superior to another group, or if you don't like those people or those kind of people, there or you label everybody with a certain color skin as a fill-in-the-blank, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever that is, lazy, mean, hateful, um, whatever your definition is, or you think you're superior, or you treat people differently um, in terms of under the law, you know, certain people can't get certain jobs. And that, to me, is what, like, the term racism used to mean. It's the change in the definition, yeah. which is really more like what Ibram Kendi writes about, which is, Anytime there is a disparity between racial groups, any disparity has to be linked to racism 100%. That's where the systemic racism argument comes into. So for you to say, this isn't like a deeply racist town, what they're saying is, is that you are not acknowledging that white people in this town make more money than black, or that white people have X, Y, or Z more than black. And, and, and I'm saying, no, I do acknowledge that, and I think that we need to talk about how we can fix that. What can we do? What kind of programs can we do to help educate kids? What can we do? How can I spend my money and my time to do something good in my neighborhood? That would be something we're talking about, but it makes it sound like you're not acknowledging the hurt uh, of other mm. people. And that's why I lost friends over it. I had a friend that I've been in church with for 20 Five years, wow. and I and and I just I said because uh, I was on the news talking about it because some a social media message had come saying that people were marching to my neighborhood, 
a friend of mine posted, hey, we're praying for you, John. And somebody I've known for 25 years, a, a, a white friend of mine, said, you know what? My prayers are going to be with the people that are actually hurting, not rich white people. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I've known her for 25 years. She was at my wedding. She her and her son and she's at my house before. Wow. I was like, I was, I, I, you know, so we called her. I'm like, what's going on? I thought we were friends. You know, so wow. it's been a deeply hard time. Yeah. We need Jesus to fix this stuff. And we need to find out, as a church, what can I do to make this yeah. better? Yeah. Oh, John, man, we are out of time. Let me just direct our listeners to your website, johnlcooper.com, the book Awaken Alive to Truth. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.